0: Well, good morning, church. What a glorious day, yeah? And I, I love these kind of days. You know, just uh, in a way of intro this morning, um, if you remember, we said that the first 16 chapters of the book of Leviticus really is about the way we approach God. And then the second half uh, is the way that we accept his teaching or accept his precepts. Uh, Chapter 18 and 19, again going over the Ten Commandments, um, not in order, but dealing with um, uh, the character of God. You know, over 40 times we're going to read from chapters 18 through the rest of the book. Over 40 times he is going to say, you know, I am the Lord your God. And he's not trying to introduce himself. Really what he's trying to do, well, he's trying to show you and I that he has claimed us. That we really belong to him. And so when he gives the law and the precepts and the commands, um, there's really two ways of looking at it. You can look at it in a very legalistic way and you can say, well, I've got to. Or you can look at at it as though he is your heavenly father. He loves you so much, cares for you, that literally he is setting up boundaries and safeguards and trying to Um, show you that we are different than the world. Um, One of the things that he really kind of stresses uh, throughout the rest of the book is his holiness. You know, that God is holy. We all agree to that, right? That God is holy. He's um, without sin. Uh, He cannot dwell in the presence of sin. Uh, He's holy. And he tells us and even jesus alludes to it at the end of chapter 6 of matthew where he says i want you to be holy as i am holy paul the apostle would say follow me as i follow christ and that he uses in the greek of the word to mimic you know to follow the same steps the patterns so i know we are saved by grace through faith it's not of ourselves i get that and i thank god for his grace how many of you guys are with me with that But yet, there is that challenge to be holy. There's that challenge to be different, separate. And when you start to look at these things, well, I can do that. But in reality, how many of us can really truly say this morning that I love God with all my heart, with all my soul, with all my strength? I I want to. In the worst way, I want to. But deep down inside... I always find that struggle. Paul the Apostle alludes to that in the book of Romans. But still the challenge is there. Here's the commands. Here's the precepts. Here's the teachings. Walk. Follow it. And I think you would agree that um, we are growing. Listen, I'm not struggling with the same issues that I was struggling with back in 1973. But I have discovered in all these years that there are new issues I'm dealing with. The, the older, just because you're getting older, doesn't mean you're getting holier. You guys are laughing too fast on that one. I, over 430 years they were in the captivity of the Egyptians. 430 years they were learning everything the Egyptians did in practice. 430 years they learned about all the different gods. All the different practices. Remember last week we were talking about the practice to worship Molech. God that the Ammonites worshipped. 430 years and he's saying I don't want you to do that. Looking back I don't want you to be like the Egyptians. Looking ahead I don't want you to be like the Canaanites that I've called you To live a different life. So we left off last week with verse 19. That you shall keep my statues. And thou shalt not let thy cattle gender with diverse kinds. Meaning you don't mix livestock. Thou shalt not sow thy seed with a mingled seed. seed, Neither shall a garment mingled of linen and woolen come together. Now listen guys. I'll be honest with you. There are some things I just don't get. You know I look at that. And I'm going what's the big deal if you have. Linen britches on and you wear a wool coat. God says we're not to commingle this. Don't even weave them together. Earlier we were talking about mixing seeds together. He says, I don't even want you to do that. And if you just look for rhyme and reason, you're not going to find any in some of these principles. God just says, don't do it. Uh, the principle of, of separation we'll call this you see it in the Old Testament, and of course, what comes, comes to mind is 2 Corinthians chapter 6, where he even tells the New Testament Christian, look, I don't want you to commingle mingle with the world. I want you to be different. There in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, I know you're familiar with the verse, but let me read it to you again. Be not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship has righteousness with unrighteousness? What communion does light have with darkness? It's rhetorical, of course. There isn't any. There shouldn't be any. Not with the believer. Think about the old days, the BC days. Even the drive and the temptation and the desire, for a lot of us, is just gone. I, I don't want to go back and hang out at the AA bar in National Park. I don't want to go back to Beach chill, and I don't want, there's not even a desire anymore. You know, unfortunately, though, there's a lot of people that still struggles with that. He says in verse 15 of 2 Corinthians, he says, What concord has Christ and Belial? Or what part hath he with believers and an infidel? And again, if you were to read this in the original, he goes, There's no harmony at all. Was there any harmony between Christ and the devil? None at all. And that's the way it should be with us in the world. No harmony. No sinking it together. There's no partnership. What agreement does the temple of God have with idols? There's no agreement at all. For you are the temple of the living God. You know, that's why we are temples, right? For the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. Yeah, I remember that verse in, Ma- in Revelation Behold, I stand at the door of your heart and I'm knocking. And if any man would open it up, I will come in, I'll sub with him. Literally, the Greek says, I will tabernacle. You're a temple. Where the Holy Spirit has fellowship with you. So again, the question is, what kind of harmony can there be between this temple and the world? None at all. So what does he say? He says for them to come out from among them. That we are to be separate, saith the Lord. Don't teach the unclean thing. Well, goodness gracious, that's exactly what God is saying in the Old Testament. I don't want you to look back and touch the things of Egypt. I don't want you to look forward to touch the things of the Canaanites. And unfortunately, the testimony goes, they did. In fact, we have record internally, which is scriptural, externally, which is external evidence, that the Israelites did worship Molech. And I'll be honest with you, I can't wrap my mind around that at all. The destructions of babies. The worship of Molech was to that baby's not convenient. Let's just putting it in the arms, incandescent statue of Molech and let it burn to death. To drown out the noise of the cry. They had the worship it was called beating the drum. The louder the drum would get, it would quite you know, deafen out or you wouldn't be able to hear the screaming of the infant. And God's pleading with his people, don't go there. Don't go looking back. That's New Testament too. Any man puts his hands to the plow and he looks back, he's not fit for the kingdom. Don't look ahead. Don't keep your... Why? There's no harmony. There's no harmony in the world for you and I. There's no fellowship between Satan and Jesus. There's no fellowship with us in the world. Give me a fat amen, church. Why? Well, when you read this in the original... He literally says, I want to walk with you. I want to walk among you. I want to be your God. And he talks about wanting to be a father. I am the Lord your God. He is our father. He has claimed ownership over us. Aren't you glad? We do a pretty lousy job, don't we? So, again, just that principle of separation, you know, He talks about don't commingle anything together. He goes to verse 20 and again dealing just with sensual or sexual immorality. He said, whosoever lieth carnally with a woman that is a bondmaid. She's a slave and she's betrothed to a husband. Not at all redeemed, nor forgiven, or I'm sorry, nor freedom given her. She shall be scourged, whipped. Whipped. They shall not be put to death because she was not free. And again, as I just said earlier, there's some things I just don't get. And this is another one. You know, in some cases when they're caught in sexual immorality, they were stoned. Remember the, the woman that was called to, caught in adultery, they bring her to the Lord. And they said, our law says to stone her. Now, what, says they, what, what do you say about it? And now here, just because she has sold herself into slavery, she's not to be put to death, but just... Now, I just don't understand why you stone some and why you don't. But we, we see this thing here, and you try to make rhyme and reason out of it. And I think a lot of commentaries, they kind of go a little astray there. Is because they're trying to make sense of it, and there's some things we just can't. But the one thing we can see, though, every place where this, you know, this sin is mentioned, whether it's fornication, adultery. You remember uh, last week we were talking about if you, if you the uncover the nakedness of is having sexual relationship. He talked about incense. He talked about a neighbor. He talked about bestiality and all this. No matter where we see it in scriptures. Let me have your attention for a minute, guys. Wherever we see it in scriptures... The result is always catastrophe. It, it's always hurting someone. And you even see it today. Where, where we see just this looseness of it. Where we just say, well, it doesn't really matter. Let them experience it. It's taught in schools now. We just see how devastating it is upon a family. We see it devastating, devastating upon our youth. It's tearing apart the center core of society... When we just go against God's principles. You know, it's it is a it's it's just something that maybe even needs to be taught at home to encourage abstinence. You know, I didn't I did not grow up in a leave it to beaver household, my who who has, you know? I think we've all come from some kind of dysfunctionalism of some sort but I I go back just to like the the, the late, late 60s that that whole free love movement but there was something that even mom and dad stood against that even my dad as crazy as he was you know you he didn't go for it man he turned things off on the TV that just did not line up with what he thought his morals were. And today, it's just totally different. It's almost sad, isn't it, guys? You know, guys, it's, it's, it affects the family so much, it, it affects society, sexual immorality. But even Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 6 says it affects the individual. Where he would say, and I, I'm just going to paraphrase it for time's sake, that no other sin is so clearly affects the body as this does. He, Paul, will say sexual immorality, even you're sinning against your own body. That's something, again, I think we shouldn't be afraid to talk about, especially to our own kids. Look at verse 23, guys. Where it says, when you come into a land and shall have planted all manners of trees for food. Then you shall count the fruit thereof as uncircumcised. That's my old king, literally your NIV says it's forbidden to eat. Shall be uncircumcised to you, it shall not be eaten of. But in the fourth year, the fourth year, all the fruit thereof shall be holy to praise the Lord with all means you can eat it you can use it in part of the worship and in the fifth year you shall eat the fruit thereof it may yield unto you the increase thereof i am the lord your god and it's just again another principle of maturity you know the, and i know this firsthand and i've shared this with you a few times that you know uh, i i planted a peach tree one time it was a dwarf peach tree and we were told it's not going to give fruit Fruit that you can eat anyway, till around the fourth year. Well, I thought this guy was just whack. There's no way, I, you know. I when I plant things, they grow. Well, I first year I didn't see anything but leaves. The second year I started to see these little fuzz balls, you know. And I there you go. This guy was wrong. In a week's time, they just fell on the ground. I went, wow. The third year, again. Fuzzballs balls appeared and this time I even got some blossoms Woo-hoo, we're gonna have peaches just to discover a couple weeks later they too fell on the ground left me with just leaves and you know what happened in the fourth year I started to see peaches the fifth the sixth the seventh year man we were just gathering a basket off this tree Hauling them off to our vacation and just eating. It's It's a principle of maturity. And you're thinking, okay, well, what's the big deal? What's the New Testament about? Well, I think of when Paul the Apostle was talking to young Timothy. What did he tell him? Hey, Tim, don't put your hands on anyone too suddenly. In other words, don't try to appoint church leadership without really checking out how mature they are. And that is a temptation for a lot of pastors, especially if they're starting a church, pioneering a work. The first thing we look for is help, don't we? We got to get someone to help us out. And then right you start scouting it out. and You see someone there with their hands up and maybe they're weeping. They're very emotional about Jesus. And you think, there you go. There's a mature believer. Let's. But just because a believer is emotional does not make him mature. It doesn't. Maturity as a believer has nothing to do with um, emotionalism. You know, a mature believer will know the difference, you know, between the flesh and the spirit. A true, a true a believer will have somewhat of the, a gift of discernment. Will know what's right and what's wrong. A, a mature Christian knows what it means to have his feet planted solidly on the rock. Where the winds and the waves, they come, they don't beat him up and push him off. In 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 22, that's what he alludes to. Don't be in such a hurry to point appoint leadership until you've really examined their lives. In verse 26, you shall not eat anything with blood, and we covered that a number of times. Neither shall you use enchantments nor observe times. He's just talking about the occult, you know, uh, fortune telling. Um, you know, it's amazing. You know, what's going to come back really strong right now? It blew my mind. I thought the game was done away. The Ouija board. You imagine that? You know, you remember that guys back in the sixties and seventies? You know, you get stoned on LSD and you play with the Ouija board. It was scary back then. Have nothing to do. You know why we don't have to have anything to do with the occult or your, um, what is that, zodiac and all that? Is because uh, God knows our future. So if we're going to consult anything, let's just con- consult God. Amen? And stay away from that and encourage our kids to stay away from this. So, 27 and 28, you're going to love. Everybody right now is trying to pull down their shirts to cover tattoos, you know. And You shall not round the corner of your heads. All right, that's easy for me. Well, no, actually, it's uh, I do it every morning. Thou shall not mar the corners of your beard. It's kind of an odd thing. You shall not make any cuttings on your flesh, cutting for the dead, nor print any marks, tattoos upon the Lord, or upon you, I am the Lord. And again, like the principle of maturity. Why? Because I'm your Lord. You belong to me. Uh, the marring of your body, the cutting of the flesh, the tattooing. Why? I'm, the, I'm your Lord. So after church, we have a guy here that's going to black out all your tattoos. <laughs> I wanted to mess with this. Your pastor has a tattoo. Because I love mom. No, it's... it's not what he's saying here. He's not talking about tattoos. Because if you notice, guys, uh, what qualifies this verse is the phrase, for the dead. The Egyptians, and I believe as well as the Canaanites, there was this practice. If a member of your family died, there was a certain God they would worship. And if they were terrified or afraid of death... They would practice cutting themselves. If they were afraid of being alone because their loved ones died, they would cut themselves. There were certain markings they would put on their, their bodies to worship these kind of gods. It's not talking about tattoos. Now listen, if, if your kid came to me and said, Pastor, what do you think about tattoos? I would just send them back to you, first of all but I, I would tell them they need to be smart and need to pray and seek God you know because there are some tats that I've seen around here that I'll hear I wish I never did it her. and you're just stuck with it now listen this isn't bible study this is your pastor just talking to you right you, you with me you know and if you're really down with tattoos well, just get one on your forehead or something I, I don't know so for you that think that this is talking about just tattoos, stop with the condemnation. It has nothing to do with that. But the cutting the flesh disturbs me. Years ago, I was talking to a girl. This was back when we were running a Methodist church. Cutting just started to come in, you know, um, and where we were seeing a lot of teens cut themselves. And she, mom brought her to me, and we were talking. And, uh, and I just, I asked her when we were alone, I said, try to help me understand. Why are you just mutilating yourself? Now, this girl was cut from the shoulder all the way down. This isn't just a little trying, I want attention. This girl was hurting. You know what the one thing she said to me that still disturbs me? She said, you know, the main reason I do it is because I feel so alone. And she had a great family. But she just felt alone. You know, um, guys, God has called us for a reason. And it wasn't just to occupy these seats here. That there are a lot of kids in this generation that's just, they're hurting. They're hurting. And we have to be able to give them a reason why we have this hope. And not be afraid to go and talk to people and tell kids that you might feel alone, but you're not. Pray for them, to love one of them. There's no reason why any child, especially if they come here, should feel alone. Amen? But that's what this is all about, guys. Um, it says in verse 29, don't prostitute thy daughter or cause her uh, to be a whore. It says, lest the land fall to whoredom and the land become full of wickedness. And then he says in verse 30, keep the Sabbath uh, reverence, my sanctuary, I am the Lord. Regard not them that have familiar spirits, near, neither seek uh, after wizards, again, the occult and defile them, or um, defiled by them. I am the Lord, your God. You know, um, my pastor, Joe, he sent me this. And I just saw it this morning. That's why I grabbed it. It, it talks about um, Americans' opinions about moral acceptability pra- of practices. And um, I compared it to the, the values of, like, say, the 1950s. And the, the, what a contrast. Up to present, um, 73% um, accepts divorce. Sex between unmarried men and women... Seventy percent gambling for whatever reason that's in there, and I find this really odd. Sixty-five percent of Americans think it's it's um, an okay practice, even though how many people are losing their homes and because of that addiction. Gay and lesbian relationship, it's sixty-three percent. Having babies outside of marriage, sixty-two percent. Human embryo stem cell research, sixty-one percent. Do you get my point? that when you compare it and try it you can do it google it Uh, the 50s the divorce rate i believe was down to 23 percent people would accept it and um i i see this and the reason i bring that to your attention is because of verse 29 where it says the land will become full of wickedness you know god again warning them don't look back don't look ahead don't sell your daughters into prostitution. You look at society today, guys, unless your ha- head is in the sand, this, this nation's full of wickedness. Wouldn't you agree? Some of the things that are just practiced and accepted, well, I don't accept it in my house. Well, I, yeah, okay, Joshua, that's good for me and my house. And I, I so appreciate that. I have been challenged lately to be a voice, though, now. That this doesn't set right with God. The, the Christianity Today, not too long ago, posted the, the, the poll with how many evangelical believers are just, just giving up on their marriage and just getting divorced. It's staggering to me. That a man and woman, after so many years, just, you know, let's just go our own way. Not thinking of the consequence. Verse 32. It says this, thou shalt rise up before a hoary head, that's a gray-headed man. Honor the face of the old men, and fear thy God, I am the Lord. You know, I'm growing to love this verse more and more. Someone said, how are your hair? Well, I got the beard. You know, this, this thing's pretty gray, you know. And if I let this grow out, it would look like bozo and I would have white hair around here. And... But, you know, there's something about scriptures where they were, these young boys were mocking, I think it was Elijah, because he was bald. And a she-bear came out and ate him. So don't mess with the bald-headed guys either. Now, on a more serious note, listen to me. You know, in this culture, this generation, we seem to be more youth-centered than, say, elderly-centered. We pay more attention to the youth than we do the elderly. You know, again, I'm just going back to when I was a, a young guy and my there, there was no way that I didn't show respect to some of my elders. That that was wrong that was bad if I showed disrespect. I mean my dad was so cr- no I shouldn't say that but he would insist that my mother never picked up anything heavy if I was and my brothers were in the room. That mom always walked in the inside of us. I mean, he was he was really sterned about that. My grandfather would sit down and tell us what it was like to be a gentleman. You know, I mean, you have women now don't even want you to open the car door for them. They, they say they get insulted. I, then open mine. I'll go for it. <laughs> when I catch myself, I love opening the door for my mate. When, when, when an elderly man comes in, I will stand and acknowledge him. But today, kids... They're disrespecting, disrespectful. And again, I think it's something that we really need to, to encourage our young boys and young ladies. Billy Graham said this, A child who is allowed to be disrespectful to his elders will not have true respect for anyone. And it's true, not for police officers. You watch today these sitcoms on tv and they try to paint the man and the woman to be airheads and the kids got it together just watch some of the programs so why do we wonder when when a child or a young teenager you mocks his dad or mocks his mom and god's law his precept says no you're to pay respect you know I've, i lived in north carolina for a period of time I lived way up in the Smoky Mountains. It was called Bavard. And I mean, we were in the Smoky Mountains. I mean, my relatives were still making moonshine in the 70s. I had an uncle. His name was Houston. I tell you, this guy must have been older than dirt. He was so old, and he would sit just on the front porch rocking. But there's something I always noticed, though, that whenever my nieces or my nephews would come in, they would never walk past Houston without with some kind of recognition to that old man. How you doing, Uncle Houston, or how you doing, Grandpa? Tolerable, tolerable. I kept thinking he was saying terrible. So I went in, I said, Aunt Anna Jane. I said, what's up with Houston? He goes, what's the matter, child? And I said, well, every time I ask him how he's doing, he's doing terrible. He was saying tolerable. But there was great respect shown in that area could have been the south i guess i don't know god wants us to teach our our youth to be respectful i see nothing wrong with that amen guys verse 32 says this if a stranger sojourns with thee in the land you shall not vex him don't mistreat him don't take advantage of him don't do any wrong But the stranger that dwelleth with you shall be unto you as one born among you. You shall love him as you love yourself. Now tell me that's not New Testament. For you were strangers in the land of Egypt. I am the Lord. You belong to me and you are not to mistreat a foreigner. You know, we laugh about, was it Geno's or one of those guys over there where it says if you can't order it in English, then get out of line or something like that. And a lot of guys were just, and he, even I, I laughed at first thinking right on, this is America. Really? And then I'm reminded of my mother-in-law. Her family came over. And how many foreigners right now here legitimately and are afraid. The church should be different. In fact, we should get out of our ways. Oh, and don't laugh at this. I'm not trying to be funny. Because there's a reason why the politicians are doing it. But let's build the wall higher. And let's make them pay for it. Be careful, Christian, to buy into that. Oh, no, I think we should protect our country. And there are laws. And according to Romans, we should follow by them. There's Ellis Island. There's right ways to come in here. But for the Christian to look down their nose, you've got to remember. You were a foreigner one time. You were aliens, according to Paul. By God's grace, He embraced us. We didn't talk His language. Are you kidding me? Somebody would mention epistles and apostles back then. I would have no idea what they were talking about. We're to love not just a foreigner, but an enemy. If one, if somebody compels you to work, walk a mile, walk two with them. That's what Jesus taught. Amen? No, we should... I, I, Pardon me, but I think we should almost go out of our ways to make someone feel comfortable when they come in here. Amen, guys? So, I just needed to say that to you. But you don't know. Hebrews chapter, what is it? Chapter 13. I think the first two verses there says, Be careful when you're entertaining strangers. Why? Yeah, you get to heaven and go... Dude, I was just messing with you. You know what I mean? Never know. You might be attending to angels and you just didn't know it. Aren't you God? Don't you love him just for the Lord just to be that plain to tell us the precepts? I mean, all the way down about how to raise a family and how teach your, your young your, your, your family how to be respectful and don't look down at a, at a foreigner and don't ever mistreat anyone. I mean, God's grace is all through Leviticus. He comes down to us to tell us not to have incest. Come on, are you kidding me? Because when you do, you pervert the land and wickedness is sown. How many of you guys want the rapture to happen today? See, Verse 35, he says, You shall do no unrighteousness in judgment, in meteor arts and weights and measure, just balances, just weights, ephod, the hin, shall not have, uh, you sh- uh, shall you have. He's just talking about integrity. I am the Lord your God, which brought you out of the land of Egypt. Therefore, you shall observe all my statutes, all my judgments, and do them. Why? Because you belong to me. And again, he's just saying you, you you're to have integrity. You know, when I think of that, I I heard someone says you got to watch the Lord and not the clock. No, I think that our responsibility is to show the world that we are different. That we put in an honest day. That really, that we live a life that if they were to see it, they would say, really, what's up with you? Why are you so different? When I first got saved working in all the body shops, the first thing it went was all my foul language. For some reason, God just took that from me. And it was noticed in a heartbeat. I mean, just at the break table when I would sit down with all the guys I worked with. What is weird with you? I had a guy who was running with the Warlocks one time just told me, Presley, you are so weird. Well, I'm glad he found, he saw a difference, you know. I remember telling my girlfriend, I'm not going to Fort Mont and drink anymore. She goes, what's with you? I said, "What's within me?" Totally changed. Our lives should be light. In fact, First Peter chapter two verse twelve. Write it down for your cross reference. Having our conversation honest among the Gentiles, that whereas they speak against you as evildoers, they may by your good works which they shall behold, and you know what it says after that: glorify your Father. You want your family to see and glorify the God that loves them so much that he would send their son? They're going to see it through the way you live. Maybe you'll get that. Why are you so weird? Like to go on, but... Richie, you want to make your way back out? Listen, guys, just if if you want to jot this down... Go ahead. Why the commands? Why the precepts? Why all the teachings? I really believe after many years of studying, they're designed for a number of reasons. God in his omniscience, being all-knowing, not only does he know how to reveal his holiness and his attributes through the word and through his precepts, through his laws, But in a way, look up here, Christian. In a way, he's putting up safeguards for us. How to to protect us personally and how to protect our families and how to protect where we work. How to let our light shine. All these things that we're all concerned with. But I jotted down this morning five things or four things. One... I believe that the precepts and the laws were given to show us evil. I really do. Without them, we probably would still be lost. Knowing what is right and what is wrong. They weren't just given, you know, for the do this and don't do that. For an example, when he says, look, I want you to abstain sexual immorality. Why? Not just for you, because again, what we see in the New Testament, that you sin against your... your your body, but it protects your family, it protects your children, and that's why, he says, look, I love you too much to let you just take this, this path, this wickedness. Not only does it show us what evil is, it shows us what good is. You know, know, it's just the where's taste to see that the Lord is good. And sometimes the way we do that is just by showing us these commands and showing us these teachings. It's almost like at first I wrote down there like those guardrails on the side of the road. You hit one of them, you know you're off the road. <laughs> but better, better yet, those little bumps on the side of the road. Don't they jar you? Yeah, well, that's what it's for. Harrison and I, we were driving up to Maine and we were on that long stretch where there's nothing and, I, and we're behind I could tell a young lady but all of a sudden I see her hit those bumps and she pulled the wheel back to the lane again and then she went to the other side and hit the. she then yanked the thing and I thought there's something wrong with this lady so I tried to speed up on her side I'm looking, and I hear this young lady was nodding Wherever she was at the last truck stop, she thought she would just shoot up. We went five, six miles like this. And Harrison, he was young, so he's saying, Dad, just run her off the road. (laughs) I don't know about that one, pal. And I I gave him my cell phone. I said, just dial 911 for me, but I didn't have any connection. Then another person came up behind me and saw it, and he sees what's going on with her. And Every time she hit those bumps, he had connections. So he radioed, state police or called, and they were able to get her off the road up ahead. What's my point? Well, we've all kind of gotten tired driving, haven't we? And when you hit those bumps, it wakes you up immediately, doesn't it? It's, it even startles you, doesn't it? All of a sudden, your heart's racing. Well, that's what the Word of God does sometimes, folks. When you're reading it with a sincere, unfeigned, not in a hypocritical way, when you're reading the Scriptures, all of a sudden, your heart starts to race. And you go, God, man, I'm so sorry. That's why they're here. It's not just because he wants to be a joy kill. Kids think, I'm not going to follow Christianity. I can't go out and experience life. Well, what are you missing, kid? You're missing sex before marriage? That's That's going to bring you heartache. What, do you want to smoke a joint? Well, that's going to lead to something else, and it's not going to give you peace. Everything that God has commanded for us to do and for us not to do was because he loves us. It guides us. Psalms 119, Your word is a lamp unto my feet, a light to my path. Psalms 17, My steps as how fast to your path my feet have not slipped. Psalms 23, He leads me in the path of righteousness. Proverbs even uh, 19 talks about the fear of the Lord leads to life, and whoever resists it shall not be satisfied. And the last one is that God gives it to us because God just knows what is best. Amen. I don't know where you're at today, guys, you know, and uh, you might even be here and you're still trying to figure it all out. The church is growing so quickly, and you know, uh, my biggest fear is somebody coming in and not being challenged about their salvation. So you notice every, after every service. I either allude to it or I make mention of the gospel. And The gospel, the good news of Christ, is just simply this. I died for you, I was buried for you, and I was raised from the dead. And if you believe in, my, in your heart that you, I've been risen from the dead, confess with your mouth, you've got it. Thou shalt be saved. You stop trusting in yourself, stop trusting in religion, stop trusting in the world, your, your finances, and you put your trust in Christ, what he's done on the cross for you. There's no need for altar calls and bells and whistles. Though I give them, I, give, I tell you to come up. But I was saved 1973 in my bedroom. But if you don't know Jesus today, We always have the prayer team up front. You know, I might make a big show of it. Just come up and just say, you know what? I'm just not sure. I'm just not sure about Jesus yet. Will you pray for me? And they will. Or maybe you're here today, man, and you've just been reading the word and you're bugged. God's just got your number. And you just want to make something right with God again. Don't go home without coming up here and praying with somebody. We're a family, amen? How many of you guys believe we're a church family? Raise it up high. Well, these people up front are your family. And they'll pray with you. So let's stand together and let's sing this last song.